Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Joshua chapter 3 this morning. While you're finding Joshua chapter 3 or turning there again, just a couple of things. I want to follow up on what Mike said about the uh, couples retreat. We'd love to have you there that weekend. It's a great opportunity for couples from the church to get to hang out with each other during the weekend and be encouraged in your marriage. And so we would love for you to sign up for that. Please see Mike about that. Also, I wanted to make an announcement on behalf of my son today for our youth ministry that the youth group is having a New Year's Eve uh, party here at the church from 5.30 till midnight on Friday the 31st. Uh, and they're going to have pizza and snacks and games and all kinds of fun stuff for the, uh, for the youth. Uh, certainly, we encourage the parents to pick up your children right there at uh, right after midnight and drive them home. Uh, we know we have some youth that do drive, but boy, I, I, I know I'd feel better if the parents picked them up and drove them home at that time of night rather than them having to drive home at midnight uh, on New Year's Eve. So anyway, don't forget about that, uh, youth and parents. And then I do want to come back real quick to our holiday schedule. As Mike said, this coming Wednesday, the 15th, is our last Wednesday until the new year. We always take the Wednesday before Christmas and the Wednesday after Christmas off. So the 22nd and the 29th uh, of December, we will not meet on Wednesday night. And then the big change is coming on the Sunday after Christmas, Sunday, December the 26th. It's the only Sunday that's affected, but that Sunday there will only be one service, not two, and it will fall between those two services at 10 o'clock. No 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on the 26th of December, just one service, and that will be at 10 o'clock. So lock that in, okay, on December the 26th. I'm going to test you on that next week for a couple weeks, just making sure we all have December 26th down. Joshua chapter 3, the impossible becomes possible with God. This is the chapter that recounts to us the crossing of the Jordan River. And a couple things I want to say by way of introduction before we actually get in and move through the chapter, because that's all I'm going to do today, is move through this great chapter. One is this. This is a reminder to us that even when you and I individually or corporately, because this book is primarily speaking to us as a corporate body, as a community of believers, and all the principles apply to us as a community. But you and I can also apply all of these principles to our own walk with God individually. But the point I want to make is this. God clearly had led the people to this place, right? And yet there's this huge obstacle standing in their way of coming into the promised land. It is the Jordan River and getting across it. So it is a reminder to us that even when we are following God, even when we are obeying him and we're doing what God wants us to do, God is not going to remove the obstacles and challenges in our way. What he wants to do through those obstacles and challenges is to magnify himself in our midst and show us that we can be overcomers that we can overcome the obstacles and challenges that will come before us. So they're going to be there when you're following God. 
don't be like many Christians who interpret that as, well, if I run up against a brick wall, so to speak, or a Jordan River, that must mean I'm not doing what God wants me to do. No, that's not true. And, and the second thing I wanted to point out was this before we get into the chapter. You'll notice at the end of verse 15 that this isn't just a normal river crossing. The Jordan River is now at flood stage when God brings them to the brink of the Jordan. So not only is it an obstacle, it's a formidable obstacle. It is an insurmountable obstacle. To the people of Israel, it's an impossible obstacle. You and I can certainly in Arizona relate to that because every year, sad, but every year we usually have someone especially during the monsoon and the flash floods, who loses their life because of those raging waters. So you and I certainly understand the danger of stepping into a river, especially flowing the way the Jordan would be flowing at that time. I mean, that would have just been foolish, right? No way to get across. So with all of that said, let's go back to verse 1. And let's talk about this crossing of the Jordan River. The first thing is that Joshua and the, and the people of Israel, they've gotten on board with God at this point. God said, I'm ready for more for my people. I'm ready to take you to more. And they're like, good, we're, we're ready, God. Let, let's go. So the first thing I want you to know is bright and early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites left Shittim and came to the Jordan. They are all arising with passion and purpose in their life. It's like God has led us to this point. He's told us that there's more on the other side of the Jordan, and we are ready to embrace it. And there's this idea that they're excited and they're living with anticipation about what God is getting ready to do with them as a group. Oh, that we as a church would always arise every day and every week with passion and purpose because we are following the God of the universe, the God who is pouring out his love upon us every day and the God who is giving us purpose every day for being here on earth with him. Notice they camped there before crossing the river, and after three days, the leaders went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, you must leave here and walk behind it. Notice that the leaders and some of the people were literally going through the camp and they were trying to rally the people. They were trying to stir them, up, stir them up. They were trying to fire them up. I love that. You know, we need people in our church. We, you need people in every community of believers because not everybody's going to buy in, if you will, with the same passion and enthusiasm and purpose and passion that that we all should have. And so you need those strategic people in that community who's willing to come around and sort of continually encourage and fire up, and almost like a coach has to with a team. Like, come on, guys. You know, God wants us to do this, and we need to do this, and, and we can do this, you know? And, and, and so we see that happening. And I, I'm hoping that as God continues to move and, and does move in our midst, that there will be more and more people at our church 
that become those kind of people, that, that they're not just in it for themselves, but they're in it to encourage those on the right hand and the left hand of them. They realize that God can use me to rally others to the cause, and God can use me to stir people up and fire people up about what God wants to do in our midst. You'll also notice that a key piece of this is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic and representative of God's presence amongst his people. So with that said, notice what Joshua and the other leaders say to the people in verse 3. When you see the ark, they are to focus on the presence of God. God wants us to see him, okay? That's a very big principle to begin with today. Focus on God's presence in our lives. That's why worship is so key to our existence as individuals and as a church, because worship should be about focusing ourselves on the person and presence of God and getting to see him through the eyes of faith. That's what they were to do. You also notice that the ark is called the ark of the covenant. Covenant, meaning God has made promises. God has entered into an agreement with his people about the things that he will do. So God not only wants us to see him, God wants us to trust him. He is a God who can be trusted. He is trustworthy. He is reliable. He is dependable. All his promises are yes and amen in him. And we can be confident in our God, and in what God has told us. So God wants us to focus on his presence. He wants us to see him. He wants us to trust him. You'll also notice that these Levitical priests were literally the ones that carried the Ark of the Covenant. They carried the presence of God in the midst of his people. And I thought to myself, well, what a great honor and privilege that was for the Levitical priests. But let's not miss the fact that if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and now you carry the presence of God everywhere you go. You have that privilege that only the Levitical priests had in the Old Testament. You and I now carry the very presence of God. In a sense, we are walking arcs of the covenant, as it was in the Old Testament. And notice Joshua says, you must leave here and walk behind the ark. In other words, not only does God want us to see him and trust him, we must learn as a group to move to the moving of God. Wherever God is moving, we are to move with God. We are to follow him. We are to stay behind him. He is our leader, and we are to move. So again, God needs a people who are willing and ready to move with him as he moves, to respond to what he's doing, to respond to what he's revealing, how he's working, how he's moving. God always wants a very pliable, if you will, uh, people, a, a people who are willing to go wherever God wants us to go. 
trusting him all the way. Again, keeping our eyes on him, focusing on his presence, trusting in him, moving to the moving of God. Notice also in verse 4, they are directed as the people of God to stay about 3,000 feet behind the ark and to keep their distance so they can see which way they should go. This is not just a, a uh, instruction about reverencing and respecting God. It is more a very practical thing. You see, they need to stay at that distance so that no matter what terrain they are going over, whether it's low terrain or high terrain, the ark is going to be the place where they can always see the ark no matter what terrain they're traveling through. God always wanted his presence or that which symbolized his presence to be able to be seen by the people. Again, don't take your eyes off of me is what God is saying to his people. Keep yourself focused on me. Keep your eyes on me, not on the obstacle, not on the circumstance, not on the situation, not on the challenge. Keep your focus on me. Then we know which way we should go. We don't take our cue from our circumstances. We don't take our cue from our situation that we're going through. And I've seen so many churches and so many Christians do that, especially in the last couple years. They're taking their cues from culture and from what's happening in the world. No, no. God says, I want my people to take their cue from me and who I am. And then it says, for you have not traveled this way before. Don't miss that phrase at the end of verse 4. That's very important. Because God wants his people not just to be willing to follow him, but willing to travel down unfamiliar paths. To get out of our comfort zone. To go with God places that we've never gone before. As I've told you before, you know this about me, I grew up in church. And not that this principle is just true about church people or all of that. It's true in our society many times. But I've heard this phrase over and over again. We've never done that before. So we can't do that because that's not what we've ever done. We've never done that before. Listen, you follow God for any length of time as a community of believers or as an individual, and you're going to find God always wants to take you down unfamiliar paths. He doesn't want us to get caught in a rut where it's the same thing over and over again and where we, we have this comfort zone that we build and where we don't allow God to stretch us and take us out of our comfort zone. No, God says, I'm taking you down a new path. And he's looking for a group of people that are willing to go down unfamiliar paths with him. You haven't traveled this way before. Then verse 5. Joshua told the people, ritually consecrate yourselves. It simply means spiritually prepare and strengthen yourselves for what's about to come. You see, so often we make sure that we're physically prepared for something or emotionally prepared for something, but Joshua is saying, you need to be spiritually prepared for this because this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual test. This is... 
This is about something spiritual. And, and when you and I get the principle that, that if we fill ourselves up spiritually, we're going to be in such a better place emotionally and physically. But many times, even we Christians, we do it the opposite. We try to make sure that our physical and emotional needs are met at the expense of filling up ourselves spiritually. And then we realize, you know, uh, the hard way that if I neglect my spiritual health, that my physical health and my emotional health suffers too. I've got to prioritize and make sure that my spiritual health and that I'm spiritually prepared and strengthened for the journey that God has for me so that I can stay focused on him, so that I can continue to trust him and have faith in him, so that I'm willing to follow him down these unfamiliar paths that he wants to take us. And then Joshua says this, another reason why we as God's people need to be prepared and strong because God wants to do miracles in our midst. Notice what Joshua says, for tomorrow the Lord will perform miraculous deeds among you. Extraordinary things, surpassing things, beyond our ability to be able to accomplish. God wants to do miracles in the midst of his people. You and I, as a church, have seen God do miracles in our midst. But God wants to do even more and greater things if we are willing as a people to keep moving with him. Do you believe God can do miracles today? Do you believe in the God of miracles? Not just for us, but for you. Do you believe that God can do miraculous things? You see, God needs a people who are willing to move with him. And as he sees that we are willing to move to his moving, he will begin to manifest himself. And not just his presence, but his power. He will begin to work in miraculous ways in our midst. I want to see God do miracles in our midst. Not for miracles' sake, but so he can be magnified and so you and I can be strengthened and be a witness to the power of the God that we follow and that we serve. I, as a pastor of this church, I need a group of people who are willing to believe that God is still going to do greater things than he's ever done up to this point, and things that are beyond our understanding, things that will go and blow our minds, surpassing things. We need that today. So, so many churches and, and so many groups of Christians and, and even individual Christians have given up almost on God moving in miraculous ways. Folks, we can't do that. We've got to show this world and even the community we live in that our God is capable of anything at any time. And we're going to pray for it and we're going to worship for it and we're going to serve for it and we're going to go after it because God wants to do more for his people and through his people. So they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and they went ahead of the people. Then notice verse 9. 
Joshua told the Israelites, come here now and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Listen with attention and great interest. God not only wants us to focus on his presence and see him, God not only wants us to trust him, God also wants us to hear him. God is still speaking to his people, and God wants us to have ears that can hear his voice, and dial in to his revelation to us. And then Joshua continued, this is how you will know, and that word know means beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the living God is among you, that he is in your midst, and that he will not fail us, but he will act powerfully on our behalf in driving out all the people who are in the land so that we can inhabit it. And God is saying the same thing today to us. He's saying, if you move to my moving and you continue to see me and trust me and hear me, you will see miracles. And those miracles that I do will confirm in you that I am with you and that I am in your midst and that I will never fail my people and that I will act powerfully on your behalf every time you move with me. Oh, that gets me excited. So I don't want to miss a Sunday or a Wednesday here at the Oasis to see what God's doing. That's why I want to wake up every day bright and early with passion and purpose because you and I can be in touch with the God of the universe who wants to work and manifest himself in the midst of his people and do miraculous deeds. Verse 11, Joshua says, look. And guess what? He's pointing to the ark. In a sense, Joshua is saying, behold your God. It's almost like, it sends chills, it's almost like what John the Baptist did when he saw Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Look at God. That's what Joshua is doing at the Ark of the Covenant. He said, look, behold your God. He says, the ark of the covenant of the ruler of the whole earth is ready to enter the Jordan ahead of you. Oh, I love this. He's saying, first of all, he's magnifying God in the midst of God's people. He's magnifying. Our God's the ruler of the whole earth. We need people in our midst who are magnifying God in the midst of God's people. And let me go back. That's why worship is so key. That's why the word is so key, because the word of God magnifies the person of God, and worship should magnify the person of God, as it does here at the Oasis. God needs to be magnified. Instead of bringing God down to our level, we need to continually elevate and raise God up, even amongst his people. And that's what Joshua is doing. And then he says, oh, the ruler of the whole earth, he's ready. <laughs> Again, God's ready. Are we ready? God is ready to lead his people over an insurmountable obstacle, over an impossible challenge. But God is ready to get us over that. And notice, God doesn't work with his people this way. He doesn't say, I'll remove the obstacle. No. 
He doesn't say, I'll take you around the obstacle. No. He says, I want to build you into a mighty army, spiritual army. I want you to become overcomers. I want you to, to know that whatever challenge or situation or circumstance you face with me, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And there's no obstacle that you can't overcome if you continue to see me, trust in me, hear me, and follow me. God says, come on, I'm ready. Are we ready to go with God? And then Joshua points this out. He says, the God of the whole earth is ready to enter the Jordan. And notice these next three words ahead of you. God always goes before his people, preparing the way for his people. We don't have to worry about what's on the other side of that obstacle because God's already there. God's already there. See, you, you and I, many times the reason we don't like to go down unfamiliar paths is because of the unknown, that fear of the unknown. God gets that, but God says, you got to trust me. I'm already on the other side. I'm already there. It's known to me. I haven't revealed it yet to you, but I'm there. Come with me. I'm already there. So notice verse 14. When the people left their tents to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, and when the ones carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark touched the surface of the water, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest time. The water coming downstream toward them stopped flowing. Now notice something. What did God have to see especially from the priests, from the spiritual leaders, before he would perform a miracle, he had to see an act or step of faith. He had to see that they were willing to trust that even in this raging river that was at flood stage, they could wash them away and they would drown if they put themselves into it. That if they just trusted God, to put their foot in and touch that water that he would immediately dry up the river. Are you willing to take a step of faith to see the miraculous power of God in your life? Because see, we want to see the miraculous power of God operate in our lives or in the life of our church, but we're not willing to take the step of faith that is necessary for God to unlock his power in our midst. God is saying, show me your faith and I'll show you my miracles. I'll show you my power. But you've got to demonstrate your faith and put your foot in the water. That's what I want to encourage us to do today. However that is applicable to your life right now individually, and however even that is applicable to us as a church right now, put your foot in the water and watch God do miracles. Notice God did several miracles here, not just one. First of all, he stopped the river from flowing. How did God do that? I don't know. Any more than I know how he parted the Red Sea. But God can do anything. He's God. Nothing is too hard or difficult for him. Second, notice this. The water starts piling up 
How does that even work? I would have loved to not only just seen the water stop, that would have been miracle enough. How does water pile up somewhere? Well, it did, and God made it pile up. Well, that's not the end of the miracle. The people crossed the river opposite Jericho, and then notice verse 17. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood, stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Well, that's another miracle. How long would it take normally for a riverbed to dry up? Weeks? Months? It was immediately dried up by God so that they could stand firmly. And you know what I love about these words, stood firmly? It speaks about being stable and secure. God is saying, you think you're being very maybe foolish. Maybe other people think you're being foolish by following me down these unfamiliar paths and crossing these insurmountable, you know, impossible obstacles and challenges. You're not being crazy. You're going to be more secure and stable and safe with me in the middle of a raging river than you are outside of my will, everything all nice and cozy. Because our stability, our security, and our safety as God's people does not come from our circumstances. It comes from our God. It is God who makes us stable. It is God who makes us secure. It is our God who makes us safe. And we can be safe in the middle of a river at flood stage when we're following God. And so all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the entire nation was on the other side which I told you, that's a miracle for me. That all the people bought in. You can't get all the people to buy into anything anymore. Even God's people. We can't totally agree on anything anymore, even as God's people. But at that point, they were unified. They were like, if that's the direction God wants us to go, and we've stood there in that wilderness and we have saw what God did for 40 years with that unbelieving generation. We don't want any parts of that. We're going over. We're going over. And that's exactly what they did. The impossible became possible with God. I hope you believe that today because, listen, if you're going to follow God in your life individually, God is going to want to take you down unfamiliar paths. And God is going to lead you sometimes to places where you're going to have insurmountable, impossible obstacles in your way. And you and I at that point as a church and as individuals have a choice. Are we going to trust God to do what only God can do? And somehow we're going to trust that God's going to get us through? Or are we going to shrink back and go, nope, I'm not going. I'm going to stay on the other side. Because here's the sad thing. If they would have stayed on the other side, they would have never experienced the wonders 
and the miracles and the manifestations and the goodness of God and the grace of God and the glory of God that they would only have received and experienced had they went across the other side. You see, God is saying, I've got so much more of me and so much more for you on the other side of this Jordan that you're going to come up against. But you've got to be willing to trust me to cross it. Are you ready? Because God's ready. So look at verse 8. Joshua says, instruct the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the bank of the Jordan River, wade into the water. That's God's message to us today as a church. That may be God's message to you today. God is saying, trust me, wade into the water. It's almost identical to what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, get out of the boat and walk towards me on water. Trust me, Peter. And God is saying the same thing to each and every one of us today by name. He's calling us out by name. He's saying, Jeff, do you trust me? Wade into the water. As a church, I don't even know yet what God has for us. I don't even know what our Jordan River may be uh, yet as we move with God. But I know this, that whenever we get there, God wants us to wade into the water and trust him to do the impossible. Will you trust God today and will you wade in to the water? Would you stand with me? And let's close in prayer. Father, I pray today that all of us have been encouraged today by your presence here and power amongst us today, God. That we have been strengthened as your people. Challenged, yes, but strengthened, God, for the tasks ahead. Both in our own individual lives and in our life as a church body that, God, you have more for your people always. And you, at times, want to take us down unfamiliar paths, paths that, that require us to continue to see you and trust you and hear you and move to your moving, God. And so, Lord, I pray today that you will, Lord, move in such a way that we will all leave here, both corporately and individually, stronger, Strengthened as we only could be strengthened in you. And realize, God, that no Jordan River is going to stop us. Even at flood stage. No challenge, no obstacle, no opposition. Nothing, God, is greater than you. And if we just keep our eyes on you and keep trusting you, God, we will all be overcomers. And we will all live in victory, God. Because nothing in this universe has ever or will ever defeat you, God. You are a God of miracles. And God, let's just trust you for those miracles today. Both as a church and as individual believers, God, let's wade into that water today. Let's take that step of faith that the priest did many years ago and touch that water and know you're going to part that water and dry up that water, God, so that we stand firmly on dry ground. God, there's no more stable ground 
than we are when we are with you as your people. And God, we feel that stability today. We feel that safety today. We feel that security today that can only come when we stand with you. So God, make us an army for you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.